Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Ryan Sprague here. The Pentagon UFO report has finally landed. And it reveals that all those sightings of bizarre flying things over our skies fall into several categories, require more study, and remain largely unexplained and unidentified. I gave my personal thoughts on the UAP report in a very special YouTube live stream over on the Ryan Sprague YouTube channel. I broke down the report page by page, line by line, and I had some special guests show up as well. So please head on over to the Ryan Sprague YouTube channel if you really want to know what I thought. But today, we're hearing from you and your thoughts on the Pentagon report. Was it all what you expected it or wanted it to be? Or was it all just a huge, huge letdown? We had some pretty different views and responses for this. So sit back and enjoy the UAP report in your own words. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Hello, Ryan. This is Jason Gilmet with UAP Studies Podcast. So talking about the report that uh, was released, I read through it. And of course, there was keywords that I was looking for. I found them. I loved it. Uh, the other thing that I thought was a lot of interest to me was that most res- uh, most reports described by UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training and other military activities, meaning that this happens on a frequent basis. It's not just one-offs. This seems to happen a lot, which means that these things have interest in whatever military uh, is up to at the time. So that is a cause of concern for the military and also for the protection of, let's say, the United States or any other country. And as Christopher Mellon uh, mentioned in his recent tweet, do not forget the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which, of course, seems to be missing from the report, just shy of saying it, but uh, it, it doesn't quite say it yet, which again, it addresses in the report about the stigma and the problem with people not coming forward in the past because of the stigma, ridicule, and of course, a lot of the pilots were grounded and not allowed to fly uh, if they reported UFOs. It was very discouraged. But now it sounds like they're saying, no, 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 re- let's get all the reports. Let's actually start looking at this seriously. And if they have the budget and the means to do so, that means that all the data that was collected by MUFON will be put to good use. Interestingly enough, I find the lack of Air Force and Department of Energy within the report to be a little concerning. I'd like to see that uh, because they've had huge involvements in the past with uh, craft recoveries and, you know, it's no secret 
So that being said, I think that the report was straight to the point, talking about how we take this seriously because it is a cause for concern. There is technology there that uh, seems to be above and beyond what we're capable of doing. And it does mention that there are different crafts. Uh, They seem to maneuver differently or behave differently. So all the reports that we've had in the past have always dismissed objects and saying that it's no cause of concern or that there was nothing there. And yet this report says, no, there is something there. It warrants further investigation, further funding, foremost, more cooperation from everybody. That's it for me. Take care, Ryan. Hello, somewhere in the skies. Ryan, everybody listening. This is Daniel Miller, a.k.a. Psychop from UFO Twitter. Just chiming in to share some of my initial thoughts regarding the release report. I thought the report was fantastic. It actually vastly exceeded my own expectations. Um, Reports from the Director of National Intelligence aren't usually the most engaging things to read ever, and uh, given the limited time, the limited resources, uh, I expected the scope to be very limited, and I honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I thought there was a chance they would just say, nothing to see here. Uh, I thought they would maybe just shut this thing down, (laughs) because this is kind of an avenue of momentum we currently have within the Department of Defense, and if the Pentagon really didn't want to deal with it, uh, this was a very good chance to do so. Um, but given the briefings that were being given to the Senate Intelligence Committee and the House Intelligence Committee leading up to this, you know, their reactions being more than just there's nothing here, um, I was interested to see what the report would say. And I am pleasantly surprised, not just by what was within the contents, but uh, what happened afterwards. So let's uh, go through a few things real quick. So one of the few takeaways that I think is obvious but is good to have on the record because many people seem to not be sure about it is just how the the task force here absolutely has access to data from multiple sensors. You know, this isn't just something from personal accounts, personal eyewitness accounts that are reported after the fact. Uh, A lot of these cases contain sensor data from multiple systems that really help corroborate that whatever they saw was most likely a physical object, which is another thing mentioned in the report that I think is important, is that they mentioned in most of these cases, if I remember correctly, that uh, these are most likely physical objects, not just uh, sensor errors or, you know, radar spoofing. We don't exactly have the details as to why they have that confidence, but I think that's important to note. Perhaps someday we will find out. (laughs) Uh, You know, not betting on it, but uh, more details may emerge as time goes on. Another really interesting nugget was the fact that they, they go over how the Navy had changed the reporting policies for UAPs for their pilots back in 2019. But what was news to me was that the Air Force did the exact same thing months later in 2020. Um, you know, as we all know, the Air Force doesn't have the uh, the best reputation in commenting or dealing with this issue um, the past few decades. So the fact that they as well changed the reporting policies a few months later, I think, is a great step in the right direction, and I'm sure they run into these things, whatever they are, too. And speaking of those reporting policies, they also mentioned the report that of the 144 cases, I think it's 144, um, most of them came from just the last two years, that when those reporting policies were changed. I'd be really curious to know the specific numbers, but I think that's really (laughs) interesting that this number may not be indicative of the last, you know, almost two decades, but maybe just the last few years. So that A, shows how often this happens, but also B, 
shows that these changes in reporting policies are working, that the stigma within the military is absolutely being destroyed because the preponderance of cases shows that the pilots are indeed reporting them and that the the system is working. And then, they, oh, let me bring this up. Actually, in the report, it says, let me just say, yeah, it says, uh, a handful of UAP appear to demonstrate advanced technology. So this is super interesting. It says, in 18 incidents, um, observers report unusual UAP movement patterns or flight characteristics. So I think that's interesting, both in the maybe somewhat low amount of the 144 that specify um, advanced characteristics, but also high. I mean, 18 out of 144, I mean, if any, just one of those is true, that really, um, you know, is a bit of a game changer. Uh, But what else really interested me is that besides kind of explaining what they did, you know, how they're stationary against the moving wind, um, they also mention that in a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency energy associated with UAP sightings. So that is super interesting because that is certainly something that uh, wouldn't be the case if it was um, uh, a radar spoof or a, um, a seagull, you know, unless uh, seagulls are really, really stepping up their game. <laughs> so I found that one of the most interesting little tidbits in that report. But moving on from the details to the larger picture, the reason I found this report so fascinating is that given the last 70 years of history, you know, you have the conclusions from Project Blue Book. You have the, the before that, the Robertson panel. You have the Condon Committee in the 60s as well. The All those conclusions always said, hey, this isn't a national security issue. Let's move along. This is not worth looking into, and this is not worth the time and resources of our military or our scientists. And this report <clears throat> is stating the opposite. They want us to take it seriously, and not only do they want to take it seriously, but something that I thought wouldn't happen for months, if at all. Um, the uh, Kathleen Hicks, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, if I have that right, second highest defense official, uh, made a request. There's a, a little leaked memo. I don't know if it's leaked. It might have been released. That um, request the DOD to make a permanent kind of uh, effort, resourced, to continue the task force mission. So I think that is stunning. I think that is a huge, huge move. They require that within sightings of UAPs, <clears throat> it has to be reported and sent to whatever entity this might be within two weeks. So there is now a deadline and punishment for not meeting that deadline. So yeah, I, I think that's crazy. So I've rambled long enough. Uh, I will stop. But uh, looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. Thanks, guys. Hey, Ryan, at UAPHRI from New Zealand again, supplemental. The memorandum issued by Kathleen Hicks instructing uh, reporting of UAP, particularly around training ranges, I think has more weight and significance than the vanilla words in the report to Senate, and I think shows great promise and great progress in thinking in the direction within the military in relation to the UAP phenomena. Great news. Keep up the good fight. Ryan Sprague, what's up, man? It's JoJo Wright from uh, the podcast Paranormalish. Hope you're doing good. Uh, yeah, this uh, report is interesting, and uh, I-, I wanted to get your take on it because – and here's my thoughts on it. I know you want, wanted us to send in our thoughts, but 
if, if for those people that were hoping that the government were going to say things like, hey, you know, there, we have UFOs and it's true. They were never going to say that. But I think in my, in my opinion, this is probably the closest they were going to get to it. I mean, uh, and I, I guess at some point their stance is going to inch closer to actually saying something like that. But, you know, all in due time. And uh, who knows? I mean, what the the, uh, the public report was, I think, nine, well, nine pages, but the uh, classified report was 70 plus pages. So who knows what was in that? And uh, here's something to really think about um, to gauge the government's concern on it. It's you know, it's always a, uh, you know, you follow the money. And I was reading over the report and the uh, Department of Defense over the next couple of months, I think the next three months, they're developing a new strategy for collecting and you know, tracking these sightings. So, and obviously that's going to take a fair amount of money. So um, if, they, if they do in fact do that, that shows that they are concerned enough to uh, dish out some cash for it, which is the, the, the big, you know, telling sign, of course. Obviously, there's something out there. And I think the, the thing that the government doesn't want to uh, speculate on is, I mean, you know, we're all thinking it. It's got to be something that's not from Earth. I mean, but, but what is it? And and to really, you know, obviously, could it be another country, you know, but are other countries and maybe this is just being egotistical thinking that the U.S. is first and everything. But is another country that far ahead of us in technology? Maybe we're not first, but are we that far behind? I would highly doubt. So, you know, there's something out there. And what was it like a hundred forty plus cases? The only one they could really, you know, nail down for sure was. It was one of them was a balloon. Of course, there's got to be a balloon in there somewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a lot of cases with, uh, you know, I think they said some had some represented breakthrough technology, which there's something out there. One balloon and something else. We'll see. But uh, I guess in all, you know, to wrap it up, to wrap my statement up, it's, it's just getting started. And uh, it's an amazing time for UFO enthusiasts and investigators and crazy people like you and me. So uh, that's that's my take on it. And uh, I definitely want you on the podcast. You know, Ryan's been on he's been on Paranormalish once before and everybody loved his appearance. Uh, so when I can get you get you back on my podcast, that'd be great. But Ryan, uh, Jojo Wright signing off. Talk to you soon. Hey, Ryan, this is Brian from Northwest Washington. Obviously, my head's still spinning about today's UAP task force report. Uh, but overall, I'm really happy with it. I think it laid the perfect foundation for what's to come. Like so many, though, I'm impatient about uh, what will be disclosed moving forward. Uh, And I can't wait for it, though. A lot of good work to get here. I want to give you credit and a lot of your colleagues on UFO Twitter and out there, uh, Alex Dietrich uh, and Ryan Graves, especially and recently for coming forward, just everybody involved in this space. This is an exciting day. Cheers to you. Cheers to us. And we'll see what comes next. Hey, Ryan, and all of the rest of the UFO Twitter community. Uh, First and foremost, I just want to say congratulations for everyone old and new who has put in some sort of effort, whether it's on the research side, public awareness, uh, just talking to friends and family. You know, all those little things do help and is a reason why we are even having this conversation today. Um, In terms of my thoughts on the report, which we were all waiting with bated breath to be released late Friday afternoon, June 25th, Um, if you read the initial sort of scope 
of requirements that were defined by the Senate Select Intel the Committee on Intelligence, the report lines up almost exactly with what was asked for, um, and as such, you know, is huge and I think fantastic to see the ball moving down the field and the door cracking a little bit more open. I I understand the cynicism that folks might have either because of should we trust the government when they say it's not ours or because we know that there are aspects and elements that know more information than is in the report. I think like with anything, things take time. Uh, in an era of instant gratification and all the social media stuff, we're also used to getting what we want now. But I think it's 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 important for us to not lose sight on how fantastical it is that we're having this conversation about non-human intelligence as the source for these vehicles. Hey, Ryan, it's Chrissy. Uh, my thoughts on the UFO report. I know a lot of people wanted something else from the government. They didn't really want this narrative, but... We should be really thankful that we did get something because for years we were just trying to get the government to acknowledge UFOs for the longest period of time. So we have that now and it's a step forward in the right direction and it's step one at multiple steps, but at least we've gotten this far. So I'm thankful for that. Okay, so so here's my take on it. I didn't really expect a lot um, just by listening to uh, Lou Elizondo uh, it was clear that this uh, report would be preliminary uh, and that we had to hold our horses but the people you know some people you know went with it uh, anyway and expected a lot um, and then it came and I honestly still got a little bit disappointed because you know there's like it says nine but there's come on there's six pages and there's nothing in there, but, you know, listen to Richard Dolan and um, you might get uh, a bit more positive uh, on that report. So listen to, listen to what Dolan says. Hey, Ryan, it's Chaz from Utah. There were a couple of things that I took away from the report coming out today. The first thing that I took away is that it just seems to be nine pages of them expressing the fact that they want to find a uniform way of reporting all of these anomalies in the air, these UAPs. Uh, the second thing that I took away from it is that it completely legitimizes the phenomena. Now they can't hide from the public that there's actually something going on. What that is, they seem to have no idea, but there is something going on, which is a good thing. Hey, Ryan, uh, it's your friend and colleague over at the debrief, Chris Plain. Uh, Yeah, thanks for reaching out. Uh, I think like a lot of us, I'm really excited about the report that came out today. Uh, I think they did the honest thing. I think they did the right thing and admitted uh, it's probably not an American black program. At least as of now, there's no evidence pointing to uh, an adversary with this technology. And and at least a significant number of reports of that technology is showing those observables, showing those propulsion and maneuverability things that are making people concerned. Uh, I think following on the heels of that, the announcement from the DOD, they're going to put all their power behind it. And I think the announcement, uh, and I just did a feature about that that'll be up on the debrief, uh, is probably already up. And uh, I think that, them putting the full force of the Department of Defense behind it, NASA putting the full force of their scientists behind it, which the new head over there just uh, announced, 
uh, I think we're in a great spot, and uh, I think we're in a whole new era. I think uh, just like in 1952, like you and I talked about on Twitter today, um, when the Navy came, uh, the Air Force came out and said, this is happening, and at least some cases we don't know what it is, and it seems extraordinary. Maybe instead of Blue Book, we get an honest analysis and a, a real look at this, and maybe we don't have to have congressional hearings. Maybe the military and the scientists will do their job and we'll get a real answer. So uh, I'm as excited as you are. Uh, let's hope for the best. Go to the debrief. Uh, we're going to keep putting stuff up about it all throughout the week. Thanks, my man. Keep doing your work. Hey, Ryan. It's Sean Kevin Jason here. Just thought I'd drop a line to leave my thoughts on the UAP report that was released by the DNI today. Um, actually, I was pleasantly surprised by a little paragraph they left at the end of page five under U.S. government or industry developmental programs, where they went on to say that some UAP observations could be attributable to developments in classified programs by U.S. entities. So for me, that was a big one, because as you know, and some of your listening audience is aware that I've always been outspoken uh, about my black triangle being a man-made craft and possibly some type of advanced stealth a technology being used by the U.S. government or military. And so for them to leave that door open, uh, I wasn't expecting that, given preliminary suggestions uh, leading me to believe that they were going to just outright deny any craft or UFOs could be man-made. So, you know, while it's not the answers we were looking for, um, they didn't roll it out, uh, certainly at least with that aspect. And uh, it's a preliminary report, so it's just laying the groundwork, and I guess we'll see where things go from here. But uh, love the show, doing a great job, and keep it up, Ryan. The biggest takeaways from the UAP report for me is the fact that it's the first thing we're getting, right? This is the preliminary UAP report. We're expecting more. Uh, we're going to get more. We're, we're going to get the hearings. We're going to get more memos from from the Pentagon, we're going to get more information. This is just this is the the starting point, as Senator Marco Rubio says, this is the first step. Um, so, so that's what I'm I'm most excited about. I'm most excited about what's coming. It, it has the potential to be to be very exciting. So the the UAP task force report is basically what I expected. Um, it's a nice start. I don't know if anyone was expecting, you know, got their hopes up, but I think that's a lesson that. I think UFO Twitter specifically just has these expectations and they're not met, it's automatically disappointment. So I think it's just, you know, it's a good start. And this is, you know, nine pages better than nothing and it's something to grow on. So, yeah, let's see what develops. Hey, Ryan, John Bot here. Um, you know what? I'm not disappointed in this report. Um, I think for people like uh, like you and I and the rest of your listeners, uh, this was a disappointment, but for the mainstream and you know people that don't really pay attention this is a big step a huge step forward and um i think i think it's going to really open a lot of eyes and bring a lot of attention to this subject which is what we need so that's my quick thoughts uh thanks for listening yo what's up ryan um okay let me take a look at exactly what you wrote um, my thoughts on the UAP TF report release. Um, okay, so here are my thoughts, my dude. I think this is better than what I expected. Um, I love this report for multitude of reasons. 
Um, the first is that it destigmatizes the UFO UAP discussion, not only from a national level, but from a militaristic level as well. Um, nobody's going to be afraid of reporting <laughs> about UAPs anymore. Uh, that's number one. Number two, the tone of the report feels like the government is begging for permission to study this topic. Um, you know, they're asking for a budget. And even if we you quadrupled the original budget for the ATIP program when Lou Elizondo was there, it's still less than $100 million. So, you know, the idea that they're asking for actual funds is not a uh, request for actual funds. It's a request to study this. <laughs> um, I, I don't think, you know, the, the military has the funds to study this. They could uh, allocate resources and funds in different ways to make room for this budget. So it wouldn't it wouldn't need a congressional approval, uh, say, to do it. Uh, but the idea that there could be, because of this report, a public office formed. Um, I mean, just after we did our show today, uh, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, um, who is Kathleen Hicks, has just released a statement from her office, and the subject was unidentified aerial phenomena assets. And the first thing that she she essentially writes a plan um, that goes through the Secretary of the Navy, who would he who heads the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Um, and the first thing that this plan asks for, or says it should have, is the, is it should establish procedures to synchronize collection, reporting, and analysis of the UAP problem set and to establish recommendations for securing military tests and training ranges. So essentially, you know, these things are over military bases, over training ranges, and uh, they are they want procedures to synchronize the collection and the reporting and analysis of UAP. You know, it's a problem. And they call it a problem. They call it the UAP problem set. Um, so... This to me is telling me that the tides are turning. There's a very, very good possibility that we might see a permanent UAPTF office uh, that has a head that is that has to answer publicly to public questions um, that may have to share findings and reports every year. This is massive. So I think the report was a huge win and um, I cannot wait to see what the next couple of weeks brings. Um, the, the information is coming in fast and hot. So stay tuned, everyone. It's going to be a fun ride. As Samuel L. Jackson says, hold on to your butts. Because this is gonna this is gonna get really really fun. All right, Ryan. Um, I think I hope I didn't go too long. Uh, let me see what you said. 
try. I think you put a time limit on. Try to no longer than a couple minutes. Okay, well, I gave you, I think, like four minutes, so I'm sorry, but uh, you could edit it down however you feel. All right, buddy. I love you. Talk soon. Peace. Hey, Ryan. This is Audrey, and I wanted to give you my thoughts on the report that was released today. I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, out of 144 investigations, they were only able to debunk one. I mean, that's pretty good. But I want to know what reports they were looking at. I want to see the videos. I want to see the data. I want to see the information. Uh, I guess we just need to stay tuned, right? Hi, Ryan. This is Paul Blake Smith. Uh, over the past few months, I've been working on a sequel to my book, uh, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, and people advised me that I could build it all up to the big government revelations that are coming June 25th, and I knew better not to do that. I had no faith in the government suddenly unleashing our juiciest secrets after 80 years of storing them up just because Congress said, pretty please, and sure enough, uh, they've given a, the basic um, routine where they... Golly, they don't know what's going on. So uh, it's what I expected, and I doubt if we'll get much further than this. I guess some would say this is a start, a first step, but even I'm skeptical of that. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled and uh, see what happens from here. 144 cases, one solved. People should look at this UAP task force report as monumental. We've been told science cannot currently explain the things that people are seeing in our skies. And not just people, but first-hand military aviators. There were 80 cases with multiple sensors. We're not talking about optical illusions anymore. We never really were. But this puts a nice full stop there. The letter from the Secretary of Defense is asking to essentially formalize a process, which is everything that we have always wanted with this. Whether people believe that these are weird enemy drones or whether they're private industry or whether they're UFO. The point is, we are now going to have people looking at this all the time. We're going to have proper data flow for this all the time. We might even have sites set up where the military aren't that monitors for a baseline of UAP activity. If you've been paying attention for the last three years, some of these things will be familiar to you. But for people outside of our community, this is nothing short of profound. This report may not be what some people want, but it is truly what we need right now. Greetings, Ryan. This is Christopher Harold Wells from the Band of Revolutionaries, and I hope all of you are doing great. I was asked to give my thoughts on the current uh, disclosure of uh, craft that have been seen in our skies that uh, the government is trying to figure out a way to spin that to us so we can easily digest it. Kudos to them. Kinda. It's one of these things that I know quite a few people that have seen things in the sky and I'm not necessarily saying they're all alien craft but they're alien to us as in their technology seems a bit advanced. And the government's play on it, I believe, is they had to say something because too many people were seeing this and they had to come up with something to tell people. But I really think 
a full disclosure would be a bit tricky because you also have to consider the people that are religious and they're faith-based in their belief. And if you go tell a bunch of people that the reality they thought they lived in for years was different and that there were other planets out there and other people, depending on how open-minded one is, it might be a very, very difficult fact to accept. So I can understand why there's a bit of reluctancy on just having an, you know, the information dump and going, here it is, here's everything. I think it would scare a lot of people. Me, myself, I consider myself a bit more open-minded. And ever since I was a kid and I had a ant farm, I'd look at the ant farm and go, I wonder if someone is looking at us like we're looking at this ant farm, which I think is the truth. There's so many bits of evidence from landing sites that are lined up with constellations and things on this planet and things are finding on Mars and it's just mankind's vanity to think that we are the only ones here and it's very unfortunate because I'm sure we could learn a lot from people and beings from other places and evidently they must be peaceful as we haven't been wiped out yet so those are my thoughts and feel free to check out the latest Neverlutionaries self-debut CD. Music on Polychromatic Records. I'd like to thank Ryan and Something in the Skies for having me on. Take care and keep believing. The truth is out there. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Ryan. Ron Zlotnick here. Yeah, similar to a lot of people, today's uh, UAP task force report was certainly not the uh, hidden gem we were all hoping for, but it is what we expected. Unfortunately, as always, the government uh, is in that repeated cycle of not releasing the information that we all know should be released and trying to suggest that it is something else and basically trying to keep it more docile than it really is to avoid causing any concerns or panics. That's my thoughts. Hey everybody, James from Engaging the Phenomenon here. Uh, Just with some initial thoughts on the UAP Task Force report. Uh, Now I know some people may have had a knee-jerk reaction to the report, and I can understand. I actually thought myself there would have been a little more information in it, and uh, actually it's more of an assessment. And the actual report, which is 70-plus pages, um, was given in a classified briefing. So that's something we have to take into consideration, that uh, what we saw was a, a basic assessment and that there is the majority of the report which is 70 plus pages was a classified briefing um and uh people have reported that there were videos shown during that briefing as well Uh, so definitely something to consider i also think that we are going to see possibly some leaks or or at least we're going to hear people report on some of the contents of that classified briefing at the very least uh we also have to consider uh and ask questions and and keep the pressure on So, you know, how come there were no mention of uh, nuclear facilities or uh, any involvement with UFOs tampering with nukes, which is a tremendous issue, especially if you're taking the threat and national security angle. I think that would be primary, uh, a primary subject to discuss. Um, So there's that. Uh, But, you know, people like Christopher Mellon and, and Ryan Graves and Tim McMillan, they seem to be optimistic about the report in that, um, you know, they're highlighting basically that this is a step forward. And the language written in there is basically saying, uh, you know, UAP is uh, a serious matter that uh, requires uh, further scientific investigation. And I think the, the memorandum that came afterwards from the Undersecretary of Defense uh, was uh, a huge deal. You know, it's requesting, uh, number one, that there be a body to investigate this, uh, and also that all sightings be reported within two weeks of the incidents. Again, uh, it is, I think, a step forward. I know people are impatient, but uh, we got to go with what we got keep the pressure on and be optimistic all right take care guys hello ryan this is graham randall from uap media uk i've had time overnight to digest the uap task force report that was released yesterday and i'm actually very happy with it just to set my position out here i have no clear idea of what uap represent and I'm not firmly attached to any particular explanations such as aliens, ultra-terrestrials or time travellers, etc. I'm simply in search of the truth, wherever that takes me. It's okay to say that I don't know what UAP are. 
That's what the report essentially says as well, and that's why I'm pleased with it. Of course, it would have been wonderful if some of the cases had been explained further, or more data had been issued, or there were more videos and images. However, we were never going to get that in a report of this nature. No doubt if such information exists, then it's in the classified section, and that would be expected given the nature of just how such censored data is obtained. My takeaway from the report is the recommendation that more research resources should be allocated to this issue, and from a wider cross-section of the US military and intelligence apparatus. The application of sophisticated artificial intelligence and machine learning systems to investigate future cases is also welcomed, as is the Air Force's involvement in UAP data collection. It will be interesting to learn just what information came out of their particular pilot collection program. I understand why some people are disappointed in the lack of information, imagery and announcements in the report, but frankly I don't think we're ever going to receive that especially in the unclassified section. Don't forget that there were rumours of a lack of resources, time and access to other agencies, so it was inevitable that the report would not have much of substance, at least in terms of positive analysis. That will involve much more time and effort across a wide range of military and governmental agencies, using a range of sensor platforms, some of which we may not be aware of at this time. In addition, the report suggests that in some cases, more advanced scientific processes may be required to understand and analyse information already collected on particular UAP cases. Such statements would not be made if pilots and other military personnel were simply seeing balloons or seagulls. To sum up, the report is making it very clear that a lack of data and analysis capabilities hindering their attempts to explain the UAP issue. Whilst the report mentions the possibility of US tech and foreign adversaries, it's not suggesting that UAP definitely fall into these categories, as some commentators have suggested. From our point of view, that, and the recommendation for more resources to investigate UAP further and more effectively, is really encouraging. I look forward to the recommendations in the task force's report being enacted. Thanks, Ryan, for giving me the opportunity to discuss the report's findings. Hi, this is Michael Huntington. The military's UAP Task Force nine-page preliminary report, largely orchestrated or promoted by UFO media personalities, echoes the message that has been sent by similar governmental disclosures over the past three quarters of a century that the military acknowledges that some unknown aerial anomalies exist and that people sometimes see unidentified things and that some few are interesting and interesting enough at least for study due to safety and security concerns involved i.e. maybe there are enemy drones flying around or balloons floating around that can cause accidents and of course, quite possibly, there are benefits for science, for discovering some unknown scientific knowledge. And as government does, uh, money should be spent on looking into this somewhere, preferably scientifically. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, on the whole, it's not really re revelatory. This disclosure has largely been a disclosure of what is already known. Uh, 
that not everything is known. Is it really disclosure if we all already know this? Maybe, kind of. But this has certainly not been the sort of messianic day of disclosure or the undeniable confirmation event often visioned or fantasized by disclosurist and conspiracy theorist believers in recent years and decades. You know, a science fiction movie brought to life, replete with flying saucer landings on the White House lawn, or the Secretary of Defense or Vice President providing a live stream tour of Area 51's secret S-4 underground saucer base. Or maybe Hangar 18 alien body freezing chambers, with whistleblower Bob Lazar leading the way. No, Big D disclosure is not here. It didn't happen. At least not today. It is part of UFO history, though, just as all UFO history is part of UFO history. Hype and exploitation concerns aside, because you do know it's coming, there is a great opportunity now for the serious UFO research community to promote the subject and educate people from all backgrounds about the merits of scientifically studying aerial anomalies and to work to create some strategies for developing and producing the kind of science that is needed to produce evidence. Evidence which is desperately needed to get us closer to the truths behind the anomalies. Truths which can potentially change our paradigms of knowledge. Hopefully we can move towards that in the coming years. I want to start off by congratulating everyone who assesses that at least some UFOs are beyond next generation technology of unknown origin. If through researching and analyzing all of the information available out there on UFOs, this is the conclusion that you've come to, then unquestionably, this 180-day preliminary UFO report is a step in the right direction. To just give one quick example, there is a segment in there that conveys that some UAP appear to maneuver in, in ways that are not easily explainable and without discernible means of propulsion. That is not a trivial statement, and it's even more significant when you consider the vast array of sensor-collecting mechanisms the most well-funded military in the world has at their disposal. They should be able to easily detect the propulsion on these UAP, from what I understand, at least. But moving beyond that, to me, this report really represents accountability. For the longest time, the U.S. government really wasn't forced to talk about UFOs, report on UFOs. And if you're silent about something and you're not forced to go on the record, then you're not really backed into a corner, are you? You're just silent. No accountability whatsoever. But that certainly changed on December 16th, 2017 with the New York Times article revealing ATIP. And so with the release of this preliminary 180-day UFO report and with talk about public UFO hearings, which on the day, I believe, of the release of this report, 
Representative Andre Carson stated again that he wants there to be public UFO hearings. This all seems to be moving in the direction of greater and greater accountability, something that I think is so necessary. Because if there is a cover-up or truth embargo, as many of us believe, it's much harder to get away with it when there's accountability as opposed to just remaining silent about the very subject some of us believe is being covered up. So in this current environment, I really assess that if there is a cover-up, and I could be wrong, maybe there's not, maybe maybe my assessment's wrong, which is totally possible, but if there is a cover-up, the odds that it can persist much longer seems very low to me because it only really could flourish in an environment where the stigma was at its zenith and the government wasn't being forced to discuss it. So there's clearly limitations to what you can keep from the public when all of a sudden the public is talking about it on a regular basis and journalists are covering it on a regular basis and members of our government such as our members of Congress are discussing it on a regular basis how can you continue to play stupid and act as if you know don't know anything in that environment I don't think it's a pl- it's a plausible scenario so I'm very optimistic and this 180 day report we we received today is a a manifestation of accountability and and that accountability is not going away. In fact, I think it's only going to increase. And at some point, it's going to force the United States government to be more explicit on what they know about UFOs. And I'm looking forward to that day. So congratulations, everybody. It looks like increased transparency on a subject that we all find very important is starting to manifest in amazing ways. Upward and onward. Hi Ryan, hope you're well mate. My name's Frank from Manchester in the UK and I run a little podcast called UFO Thinker. So after reading the UAP Task Force report, I personally think it's actually quite a big win. I understand that you know some people a bit frustrated would have liked to see a bit more of an in-depth report and that kind of thing. And don't get me wrong, I would have liked to see a bit more than nine pages as well and maybe a few new case studies and, and things like that. But the fact is, this was always going to be a first step. And I think as first steps go, it's actually not bad. I mean, the report recommends significant further investigation and further funding. and That in itself, I think, is quite a big win. They're not just brushed it under the carpet. They've actually took it seriously and said, you know what, we need to plough a lot more energy into this. So the thing is, if that actually happens and they actually do fund it further and allocate more staff to it, Think about what the next report could contain, because that's when things are going to start to get really interesting. As I've heard a few people say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we've just got to be in it for the long haul and see how things pan out over the coming months. So big fan of the podcast, mate. So keep up the good work. Bye for now. Hey, my friend. Kevin Hale here, co-host of Universal Secrets, giving you my quick take on the UAP report that dropped on Friday, June 25th. 2021 i'll say the date again june 25th 2021 this date will go down in history as a historic moment in ufology a new chapter if you will 
were we surprised with the report itself? No. Most felt that the information we got today was spot on on how we thought this day was going to play out. How I take it is that it's being talked about. This is a reboot in ufology, whatever point oh. We're at a new level. We're on a different playing field. So as an enthusiast, I'm excited on where we are right now. I'm excited what's potentially going to happen from here. On our show, I throw out three questions. The three greatest questions in our lifetime. Is there a God? What happens when we die? And are we alone in the universe? I still believe in my heart of hearts the alone in the universe is going to get answered in our lifetime. I'm going to live to see that, hear it. That's my thinking, and I'm going to stay by it. It's on mainstream media. The story, the topic is being played and being discussed on the major networks without, as much as you and I love the X-Files and Fox Mulder, the X-Files theme music is not in the background. So we're making progress. We're going somewhere that we've never been before. That's exciting. That's fun. And for us podcasters, it makes for a great conversation. Peace out, my brother. Hey, Ryan Allen from Paranormal Now. Thanks for allowing me to put my two cents in. So my takeaway from this report is with rosy <laughs> tinted glasses. I know a lot of people are not entirely happy with it. I am one that is very happy with it. Um, right out of the report, page three, quote, consistent consolidation of reports from across the federal government and standardized reporting, increased collection and analysis, and a streamlined process of screening all such reports against a broad range of relevant USG data will allow for a more sophisticated analysis of a UAP that is likely to deepen our understanding. And earlier in the report, they mentioned all the agencies that will be sharing data, including the uh, DIA, FBI, NRO, NGA, NSA, Air Force, Army, Navy, Navy ONI, DARPA, FAA, and so on. So I think that what they're doing here is they're laying, laying the groundwork to actually do more in-depth study. And they're not brushing this aside. They're not half closing the door. They're not closing the door. My impression is they're opening the door even wider. Now, I wanted more details on specific reports, but it sounds like their idea of what a UAP is based on the data that they have obtained um, running checks on software for radar and the eyewitness accounts and observations that indeed UAP is unexplainable and that's a good place to start so those are my quick thoughts um, thanks for all the good work you do on Somewhere in the Skies and um, live in the mystery everyone Hey Ryan, rather be squitting here the report wasn't what I expected and I'm disappointed there isn't more data well, any data but it made clear that this is not the end of the discussion they're digging into historical data and working to better capture data from current encounters. We know there are at least 18 interesting cases categorized as other. So they continue to dig, and so should we. I'm pretty sure the Black Vault is filing FOIAs as we speak. I'm really looking forward to learning more. Hey, Ryan. It's Jess Shaw. About the report, 
you know, I'm probably, as I said, not going to cover too much that a lot of other people haven't already observed, but just really briefly, I was happy with it. But then again, I'd set my expectations really low. So uh, what I was really looking for was for them to say, yes, these things are real. We've detected them on all sorts of different sensors. They're not just seagulls. And uh, to come out and if they think it's one of our adversaries, tell us. If they have no evidence of that, tell us that. Because the most interesting answer is, well, if it's not ours and it's not Russia's and it's not Chinese, then, uh, you know, whose is it? <laughs> kind of running out of suspects. Uh, and we got that out of the report. And I think there was more than that. I, I think they're making a legitimate request for funding to make this a permanent operation. Hopefully there will be semi-annual or annual reports out of them as more information develops. The only thing that's left is I, I would like to find out if the Senate Intelligence Committee or the Armed Forces Committee who got the full, full report with all the other stuff in it, if any of them are willing to push back a little bit and say, hey, is there any of this stuff that could be declassified or at least tell us why is it classified? So, uh, that's really about it. I mean, like I said, I was happy with it. I've written a couple articles, anybody wants to go find them. But uh, the, the public report is, I think, what it was always going to be. Kind of slim, meets the minimum requirements that the Senate asked for last December. And if they did go and give a lot of other juicier stuff to Congress, well, then Congress probably needs to know about that. And if we get to find out some of it later, great. But if not, at least we know they're working on it. So thanks for having me on. Take care. This is Joe Mergia, a.k.a. UFO Joe. And yesterday, when I first started reading the 180-day report, I first thought, this is really short. Nine pages. But we had heard from various people that it was going to be anywhere from four to six to seven pages. So not a total shock, but it's still reality hit us in the face when we saw that. And then a friend of mine who's worked in the world of intelligence for many decades said, listen, it's a preliminary assessment. Read it and then think about it like that. So, okay, so I did. And right off the bat, you know, it starts out with cases going back to 2004 and the Tic Tac. And people were upset that we didn't go back to 1947 and Roswell or the Trinity case in 1945 that Jacques Vallée and Paula Harris have worked on and investigated. But it seems like, you know, they came up with 144 incidents, reports, and 180 days was barely long enough for them to collect data on those cases. Of course, we don't know what's in the classified version. But then we heard Luis Elizondo say he had colleagues in the Pentagon who had UFO data and they were never asked for it. And he said that like a month or so ago. So were they ever asked for it for this report? And if they weren't, you know, it makes you wonder how hard did the people who put this report together try to get all of the data within our government agencies? As I read the report, right off the bat, they said some UAP could be attributed to sensor anomalies. And I was like, no, this is, this is shades of Seth Shostak from SETI trying to tell us that the Navy folks were just confused and it was glitches in the radar and a reflection off the windshield. So, you know, right away I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. But then they moved on to say 
there's not enough data to know the nature and intent of UAP. Well, okay, maybe for some of these folks, but I believe there's more than more than enough data. I think we all think that there are people within our government that have a really good idea of what we're dealing with. Maybe not intent, but they. I think they have a good idea of you know various craft, maybe bodies. You know, if you believe that crash retrievals have occurred, which I which I do. Um, so. And that would be located in, you know, a special access program. And I don't think most of the people involved in this report would have access to those programs. Maybe some do, but even if they did, it's not going to get into, you know, the unclassified version of the report. Maybe in the classified version? Probably not. I probably, they probably didn't go into crash retrievals. Hopefully in the future. So the report goes on that most of these reports these objects, they represent physical objects uh, captured on sensors, inclu- multiple sensors, including radar and FLIR. And of the 144 reports, 80 involved multiple, multiple sensors. So that's good. It tells you they're, they're, they're physical objects, and we have evidence for that. That, that does away with the, the glitch in the radar claims by some people, you know. Um, the next thing says a limited number of incidents UAP reportedly appear to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be the, could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing or observer misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. You know, as soon as I see spoofing, I think Tyler Rogaway believes some of this is spoofing and drones. Um, so I'm sure his eyes lit up when he saw that. But then it says most reports described UAP interrupting pre-planned training or other military activity. Eleven incidents involve a near miss involved a near miss with a UAP. That alone, that we have near misses with these objects. And they're flying with impunity in restricted military airspace. That alone, you would think, on a safety and just a safety issue alone. You would think they'd want to get to the bottom of this. And then national security, obviously. Who the hell's flying in our military airspace? We don't know who they are. So, yeah, Rubio has hit on that many times. Just the very basics of that. This should be a big deal. Unfortunately, as the report says, stigma is still still a big problem when it comes to the folks in the military and intelligence community reporting and talking about these encounters. And that really needs to stop. Hopefully... We're getting close to that not being the case. People need to be able to talk about what they see, no matter what this turns out to be. They say that in only 18 incidents did observers report unusual unusual UAP movements. Is that true? I mean, is, is that low? 18 out of 144? That's a question for Lou. How many of the you know how many of the cases he investigated in ATIP did he see these kind of movements? You know, is it like a small percentage? I would love to know that. Uh, but those are the cases we obviously need to focus on. Then they mentioned that these objects are pulling off something called signature management. And I have a long explanation for it, which it'll be in a report I'll have on my blog by my Intel friend. He's going to write an article. Basically, these objects are trying to remain hidden, cloaked, not give us any information about them, whatever they're doing. So obviously they don't want us to know about them or see them. And we can debate forever why that's the case, you know, something nefarious, something they're just trying not, you know, prime directive, not trying to make themselves obvious. I don't know. But then there's cases on the West Coast where if 
those objects in the Jeremy Corbell videos that he released, if those objects are UAP, you know, they obviously want to be seen. So that's, that's a little contradictory. We currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary. This is huge. Tyler Rogaway, who has done major work and, you know, exceptional work on this subject, you know, talking about possible foreign adversaries collecting information on us and maybe the East Coast events or drones related to drone programs or spoofing. This report says in these 144 reports, no evidence of that. No evidence. You know, people will say, well, if they did have evidence, they would lie. They wouldn't tell us. But I had I had somebody who works in Intel, another source, saying, if it was Russia or China, we would tell you. And like I said, people won't believe that, but that's what it says. So they also said of these reports, they found no evidence these were government technology. No evidence. That goes against the New York Times sources who said the vast majority of these cases, there was no evidence of government tech. So I also, I actually do think that we do have some amazing tech and... That's a debate for another time, and a lot of people disagree with me on that, but I don't know. I just said it's an opinion that we may have some of this amazing tech. And if you read my Wilson Davis blog with Will Miller, he's one of the people who believes this. Guy's a, Leslie Keen called him a, a, a true insider. Amazing guy. A lot of people don't know about him. So one, another great takeaway that I did not know, the United States Air Force, who has gotten a lot of flack, you know, Project Blue Book and... They've been nowhere to be found. You know, we've heard them mention maybe some pilots are giving some testimony, Air Force pilots. But then in the report, it says the United States Air Force began a six month pilot program in November 2020 to collect in the most likely areas to encounter UAP and is evaluating how to normalize future collection, reporting and analysis across the entire Air Force. That's exciting. We need the Air Force data. Would love to see Air Force FLIR, any FLIR, any data is good. So to see them begin, begin becoming involved is, in, is important. Um, a side note, when Danny Sheehan went to Washington, D.C. with Lou Elizondo, he said that, you know, along with the government lawyers who were at the meeting, they brought a colonel from the Air Force. And a lot of people have overlooked that. I don't know what that means. Why would a colonel in the Air Force be at an, you know, an IG meeting where Lou's trying to figure out why these people are lying about him? Um, so keep that in mind. We'll, hopefully we'll find out more about that. Now we get to the other bin as possible, you know, the one bin we all cared about. What are these UAP? And they called it other. And they said the reason we can't, I, we can't identify these is because of limited data or challenges to collection, collection processing or analysis. And we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect or analyze and characterize some of them. We need additional scientific knowledge. So this may be something beyond our current understanding or our ability to comprehend or willingness to even accept. You know, like Lewis said, this could be something natural to this planet that we're just now being able to detect, which would be something John Keel called ultra-terrestrials, something that shares the planet with us. Um, so they need additional scientific knowledge. Great. Let's get this data to, into the hands of the most most qualified scientists in the world. Get them read in. Get them read in. Let's have a public program and let them share as much as they can on what they find. And to close, we have 
Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby on the UAP assessment. He said, Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks today directed the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security to develop a plan to formalize the mission currently performed by the UAP task force. In other words, it looks like they're going to make a permanent office, a permanent program. This is what we want, not just a, a you know a temporary task force. So that's exciting. That's good news. Obviously, this is not everything we wanted, not even close. But for the general public, hopefully, and the media, they focus on the fact that they have not ruled out ET. They have not ruled out ultra ultra terrestrial. They had they have not ruled out interdimensional. They have not ruled out any of that. It's still on the table. And I know, you know, Danny Sheehan said. Eric Davis briefed Marco Rubio and told him that the ONI and the UAP task force believe some of these objects are off-world vehicles. That's not in this report. That should be in this report. I know that information is 100% accurate. So Rubio and Warner still saying, you know, very hesitant to what they're saying. I don't know if they're afraid to open that door because once they open the door and say, yes, we believe some of these are off-world and it just changes everything. So I think they're really scared right now. Um, where we go from here, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think things may slow down. We'll have ebbs and flows, ups and downs. And But, you know, in a month or so, we get Ross Coulthard's book that's coming out, In Plain Sight. Look for it. It's You know, his documentary is excellent. The book is different. It's going to be more in-depth. And if you want to follow me, UAP, you know, ufojoe.net. And on Twitter, I'm at at the ufo joe thanks for listening and uh i look forward to what comes next thanks to ryan for asking me to do this 180 days if you're anything like me you've been waiting for this day for at least 180 days now it's here and was it all worth the wait what's up everyone this is john greenwald jr founder and creator of theblackvault.com and that's right The UFO or UAP or whatever you want to call them report is here. But one thing that I will say is that this is not the end, right? This this is not, regardless of this being the letdown uh, that it might be to you, or maybe it's encouraging to you. Maybe this is more than you thought. It doesn't matter what you think. This is far from the end. Not only for me on a personal level, I've been doing this for 25 years pursuing UFO, UAP information with the government, so I'm not going to stop now. But I hope it motivates all of you as well. Because even though this report, I can almost bet for all of you, didn't have everything that you wanted in it, at least this shows us that there is movement, that the UAP topic is being taken seriously, that it is being acknowledged, that it is being essentially looked at as a potential threat. And as much as some of you do not like that word, that will pave the way for them, meaning the Senate, to look at this that is not exciting or extraordinary by itself. But that is the root. Because once additional funding, albeit maybe a small amount, that additional funding goes in and that expansion of the data happens and they expand it to commercial aviation pilots. They expand it to just the Joe Schmoes of the world that are seeing UFOs to essentially then really tackle this from a scientific standpoint. That is what we should all praise. I'm mad too we didn't get what we really truly wanted. But if this is the route to potentially a bigger program that will then 
pave that way for a bigger data set for them to call on. Hopefully, we the people will have access to that, but at least those are baby steps forward. Forward to where? I'm on the journey with you because I have no idea. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 